0: Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolfe. Early voting is open through November 5th, and we encourage you to check your voter registration, your sample ballot, and find out your voting locations at the North Carolina State Board of Elections website, www.ncsbe.gov. And remember, you are not required to show a photo ID when voting, and curbside and assisted voting options are available. On today's show, we will talk with guests about the importance of voting, how voting for local statewide and countrywide elections can be critical for creating change and why your vote matters, especially for education. I am absolutely thrilled to be joined today by Dr. Lauren Fox, the Senior Director of Policy and Research at the Public School Forum of North Carolina, and Ronnie Dossey, a school board member and vice chair in Chapel Hill Carborough City Schools and Senior Director of Operations Finance at RTI. Welcome to both of you. We know that this will be an important election for North Carolina's public schools. Which
1: roles that will be on the ballot this election season should education voters be paying attention to? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that oftentimes the midterms are overlooked in terms of their importance and this upcoming election is just incredibly important, especially for education. So we have all seats in the North Carolina General Assembly that are on the ballot. So, um, And the North Carolina General Assembly is a major power player when it comes to setting education policies and funding our schools. So those are just incredibly important elections for us to consider. We also have two Supreme Court seats that are up for grabs, as well as um, four seats on the Court of Appeals. And as many folks may know, Judicial seats can be really consequential when it comes to cases related to education, such as the Leandro's court case that is currently sitting with the Supreme Court. So so those judicial seats have major ramifications for public education. And then of course we have many seats for county commission and school board who set education policies and make local funding decisions. And we have a seat in the US Senate and 14 US house seats that will be up for election as well. Um, and North Carolina's elections for those federal roles may be critical in determining which party holds power in, in Congress.
0: Lauren, clearly this is a very important election and such a great reminder for everyone out there to plan when they're going to vote, whether early voting or day of or, or absentee. Um, Ronnie, I realize that you are not up for reelection this year. Um, and I would love to hear your perspective because you have seven years of experience on the school board. What do you want the general public to know about the role of school boards and what do you what you do and do not have jurisdiction over?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Marianne, and thank you. I I struggled with the question when I was a candidate and learned more when I was elected to the school board. So I'll just start with the local boards of education are the policy-making bodies for school districts. So our primary responsibility is to outline how community values are represented in schools through policies, and then they issue that guidance that the superintendent is then responsible to operationalize. So I'd say overall, the focus of the school board is on high-level student success, appropriate fiscal management to optimize budget resources and then align all of the work we do to our strategy and mission. I think another important note, Marianne, is that uh, school boards in North Carolina do not have the authority to levy taxes. So funding to support school districts come from three primary sources. So roughly for Chapel Hill, Carborough City Schools. We get approximately 50%, a little bit more than 50% from local funding, so our county commissioners and local property taxes. uh, The state provides about another 45%, and then there's about 5% federal funding that we receive. So I think that was a big uh, understanding for me of um, the constraints that school boards have around funding the needs appropriately.
0: Lauren, one of the things that Ronnie definitely referenced was the role that state government plays. And I wonder if you can talk just a little bit more about the role of state government, but particularly the North Carolina General Assembly in
1: education policy making and funding. There are various entities at the state level that play important roles in education, including our governor, the State Board of Education, um, and particularly the General Assembly. I think a lot of North Carolinians don't know that our state constitution establishes the state's clear role and responsibility in setting education policy and funding public schools. The constitution requires that the state provide a free and uniform system of public education for all students, and it also outlines that it's the General Assembly's responsibility to fund instructional and operational costs. public schools. And because they hold that responsibility, um, the General Assembly also has a lot of power in setting overall education policies in that they determine how money is spent, how to appropriate it, um, and how much. Um, And they often weigh in on things that fall outside of funding decisions as well, like teacher licensure, um, accountability, curriculum, and things like that. And speaking to Ronnie's point about the proportion of funding um, that comes from the state, local, and federal sources, statewide, about close to 65% of funding overall comes from the state for instructional expenses. um, And about 25% comes from local sources and about 10% from the federal government. And that's for those instructional expenses that the state is is responsible for providing. So I just want to lift that up, that locals are contributing a lot of funding um, to cover things that technically fall under the responsibility of the state in order to provide educational opportunities to their students.
0: And one area that I'm hoping we can spend a couple minutes on is also just facilities and construction because while that is intended to be a local expenditure, we know that as you just said, Lauren, so much of local funding is used for the instruction or operational expenses that we do have a significant backlog of well over $13 billion in our state. And so um, that is another area where we see what is supposed to be. But if the funding isn't available, then sometimes that just is, it ends up being a big gap. Lauren, one of the things the forum does to try and elaborate on some of these kinds of things is every two years we produce the education policy primer. And I'm curious, because we have held sessions for hundreds of candidates, and also the general public over the last couple of months, what have you found to be some of the most compelling issues that people have had questions about or wanted to learn more?
1: People are often surprised to learn that North Carolina spends more than 3000 below the national average in per pupil spending. And we rank 49th in funding effort in the country. That's really notable. Um, That's the amount of funding that we provide for education relative to our state wealth overall. So it tells us that we have a lot more capacity in our state to support public schools. And we have a significant surplus in our state budget now and major funding gaps that are making it difficult for our schools to provide the things that students need. So that's a top of mind issue. Um, and really every year, and especially right now, I think um, when talking to voters and parents and candidates, related to that would be teachers and staffing vacancies. We've had challenges with our teacher pipeline and teacher shortages for a long time, but I think we've hit kind of a crisis point at this point in time. Um, We know based on a survey that the school superintendents association in North Carolina did at the beginning of the school year, that we have more than 11,000 staffing vacancies in our public schools statewide. Um, And over 3000 of those are in certified teaching positions. And many additional teaching positions are filled currently by an individual who is not fully licensed to teach. Um, So the situation we're in right now is really getting to a point where we know that we need to do something differently. Um, And we know that teachers are deciding to leave the profession or maybe candidates are not going into the profession due to things like low pay, um, burnout, and devaluing of the profession overall. Um, so I think that many voters are thinking about that, recognizing that you know their children are going to school and may, may be missing teachers in core subject areas. And that's just an incredible loss for our students. Um, so I think there will be a lot of attention to ensuring the teachers are paid fairly and that we're investing in recruitment and retention and preparation programs. And I would also say that safety and student mental health are really top of mind um, for voters and for candidates with increases in school shootings. Um, We know that uh, mental health concerns for students like suicide and depression rates are on the rise. So many of our voters are thinking a lot about what supports our schools and our students need to be able to address those concerns. We know that students can't learn until their mental health needs are taken care of.
0: Thank you so much to both of you. We'll be back after the break to continue this important discussion. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Participate Learning, uniting our world through global learning. We're thrilled to have Dr. Lauren Fox and Ronnie Dossi with us again to continue this discussion about issues related to education that are on the ballot and how you can learn more. Ronnie, I'm really curious to hear if these are issues that you're thinking about in your role um, and if there are others and then what you think is needed to support our students and
2: teachers. We are really struggling to fill teacher vacancies. We're really feeling that impact this year in a way that we haven't as a district and we're fortunate to be one of the top paying districts in the state if not the top. And so we know that if we're feeling it here it's definitely going to be impactful across the state, we also know that a quality teacher is one of the most critical elements to student success, so we have to address this funding quickly. Locally we've tried to supplement with some local funding but that's not really a sustainable model. We're also seeing coming out of the global pandemic, a high level of needs for both students and staff and mental health and health resources. We know that sometimes schools are the only places where students get to see a a healthcare provider uh, in in their school nurse. um, And we're seeing a much increased need for those services. And so just being really thoughtful about what we can do to support that in schools um, and hopefully, Voters are also thinking about how they support candidates who, for example, favor Medicaid expansion that would increase access to health care for not just our students, but our families as well, um, given the urgency of the needs.
0: It's a great reminder of how many issues are connected, even if they might not necessarily fall under that education umbrella, they really influence how students are ready um, to learn and the supports that schools provide Um, Ronnie, what do you wish people knew about the challenges and opportunities facing schools or what should they be researching before
2: they vote? We just know that there's such an urgent need to invest in education to avoid long term damaging impacts to both education, but also broadly to the North Carolina economy. I would say school buildings also have urgent needs that must be addressed. We've got crumbling school buildings, inadequate ventilation, cramped spaces, spaces that's not supportive of technology in the way that we know that technology today adds value to student learning. Uh, And I think North Carolina public school districts say they need over 12 billion dollars over the next five years to build or repair their facilities. And I want to make a point here, Marianne, because this is about five billion more than districts reported needing just five years ago. And so the more we delay addressing these school renovation issues, the greater the need. You don't see uh, 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 other industries hesitating to invest in maintaining or repairing their facilities. And certainly when you think about how impactful those environments are to student needs, that helps us all understand the urgency of, of doing that work. We desperately need to elect candidates who understand education issues and who will vote to adequately fund public education across the state of North Carolina
0: we do hear a lot of, well, all the challenges North Carolina is facing are like every other state in the country. And while I think we see consistencies, I also see some differences. And I'm just curious about how you view that or how you might respond um, to a question like that.
2: One of the unique things is um, North Carolina has historically been a state that's really valued education. You can see this back in the early 50s and 60s when we developed you know, the Research Triangle Park in an effort to bring technology and and kind of uh, industries of the future to the state. And and I think certainly we say that we want to continue to do that, but it's not clear that when we make investment choices, we're actually doing that. I just wanted to kind of talk to one case that's pending um, before the Supreme Court that could be impacted by who we elect also, which is the Leandro case, regarding the state's constitutional responsibility to provide education for North Carolina students. So this dates way back to 1994. where five school districts sued the state asking that students receive the same level of educational opportunities as students in higher income counties, which sounds right. Nice. that makes sense for if you're trying to think about st- uh, developing economy across the state and making sure that all of your students are learning and growing twice in 1997 and again in 2004, the North Carolina Supreme Court ruled that uh, North Carolina does have a constitutional obligation to ensure that all students have access to a sound basic education. Uh, And then in August, 2022, the North Carolina Supreme Court heard the case for the fourth time. I will say what's different about North Carolina than other states is North Carolina is certainly sitting, currently sitting on a budget surplus of more than $6 billion. And I would just ask the question of why would we not, when we know that we have these significant needs and investing in teachers and staff, when we know that we have the needs around infrastructure and we can help our economy with providing jobs, why would we not invest this money in education? And so I think that's what's a little bit different from from other states. Um, And I, I would encourage the voters to consider who's actually supporting education. Um, when they think about questions like that.
0: Lauren, Ronnie has laid out many things we hope voters think about. How can they learn more?
1: Yes, I'm thrilled to share some resources um, with our viewers. So first, I would like you all to take a look at the North Carolina Education Policy Primer that the forum has released for 2022. Um, We release this report every two years. And this is like an encyclopedia on education policymaking in North Carolina. So if you have questions about whose responsibility it is to serve different needs for our public schools, that's a great resource to take a look at. Um, And that can be found on the public school forum's website at www.ncforum.org slash 2022 slash primer 2022 or
0: twenty. Lauren, someone recently (laughs) called it a master class, So I'm gonna go with that word instead of encyclopedia.
1: (laughs) And if you don't want to read the entire document, then we also have a recording of a presentation that we gave um, outlining a lot of that information on our website as well. Um, We also distributed a candidate questionnaire to all candidates who are running for North Carolina General Assembly in the upcoming election and that's a great way for you to just have a clear understanding of where different candidates stand on key education issues. So I believe we asked six questions on different topics related to education policy and candidates were able to really explain um, where they stand and what they would do should they be elected. So that's a great resource and is also on our website um, at www.ncforum.org. And then I also just wanna mention to visit the uh, State Board of Elections website if you'd like to check out your sample ballots. Our districts have changed this year, so it's important to make sure that you know what district you're voting for and who your candidates are. Um, You can find that on their website as well as make sure that you're registered to vote um, and learn how to register if you're not already registered. And I know my voting location
0: changed recently Lauren so that's another thing you can find there so <laughs> another
1: yes, important and early thing. voting starts um October 20th so It will be open um and there are lots of early voting opportunities so you you know won't have to wait in line that long please go out to vote the final word ronnie is why should people get out there and vote
0: and i say this with full respect and appreciation for every person who's brave enough to put their name on the ballot that certainly has
2: included you in the past so why should people vote Uh, thank you so much again um, i would say first uh, as we've been discussing education is in a fragile state we have to rebuild the structures that enable students to learn and grow. But then there are also other elements that contribute to the success of failure of instruction in our economy in North Carolina, and that's access to healthcare. So thinking about Medicaid expansion, reproductive healthcare access, thinking about limitation on voting rights, Um, The critical need to invest in infrastructure health and safety improvements and I think really basically foundationally how we think about our very democracy, and so I would just encourage folks to please go learn about candidates. Um, The other thing I would say is candidates often talk about how they support education but I would really encourage us to look at people's records and where have they voted to actually fund education where have they done things that really support education, rather than putting it on their mailers and saying that they do. Um, And I think there are you know, teacher organizations and other uh, places to learn as Lauren mentioned earlier about where candidates what candidates positions are on education. And then the last thing I'd say is don't forget our judicial candidates who are often the backstop for a lot of the policy and legislative issues we see across the state. So in North Carolina, there are candidates on both sides of the ballot. So please don't forget to flip the ballot when you vote and vote for all of the races. Um, And thanks to everybody who is interested in education. I really think it's a fundamental element of everything we do in society from our civics and politics to economic development. And um, it's just critically important that we engage now and show the urgency of making investments to support education. Well, I just
0: can't thank the two of you enough for shedding light on how people can learn more, what issues are really on the ballot this year as part of this election, and why it's so important that every one of us lives up to our civic responsibility. So thank you so much for all you do for North Carolina and for education. After the break, this week's final word. Heading into this political season, the importance of this election cannot be overstated. You have the responsibility and the opportunity to make your voice heard. Along with education, other hot button issues such as women's reproductive rights, gun safety, the economy and inflation have been major topics of conversation this year and people seem to have strong opinions on each. But now it's time to turn those words into actions. You have the opportunity to decide how candidates' commitments align with what you think is best for our state's future as you vote for candidates for the North Carolina General Assembly, judgeships, and other state and local positions. We at the forum urge you to research the candidates in your district to find out whose values align with your own. Our 2022 North Carolina General Assembly Candidate Survey is a resource we hope can be a helpful tool for you in your research. This survey was distributed to all candidates running for the General Assembly and included six questions addressing key education policy issues that impact public schools across our state every day. Many of those issues come down to funding and what and how candidates prioritize investments for the next generation of North Carolinians to thrive. While many different issues come up related to education in this election, teachers are a major one especially this year with the long anticipated shortage becoming a reality in nearly every district in our state. It's clear from the thousands of vacancies for teaching positions when school that, sorry, It's clear from the thousands of vacancies for teaching positions across the state when school began this year, that a base salary of $37,000 and the working conditions of the profession make it very difficult to recruit and retain the highly effective diverse teaching workforce our students deserve and need to succeed. North Carolina is 38th in the nation and about $12,000 below the national average for teacher pay. Currently, the teacher tax, or the discrepancy between teacher pay and what candidates with similar education and credentials make in other professions or industries, is 24.5%, which makes choosing teaching as a profession a challenging financial decision. Our willingness to invest in the future as a state is also evident in how we treat and compensate our educators. While it can be difficult to identify who is responsible for what when it comes to public education, the North Carolina General Assembly has the power to address many educational issues, especially state funding, but also accountability calendars and other policy issues. We encourage you to check out our 2022 North Carolina Education Policy Primer to gain a better understanding of the roles various state and local government organizations play in decision-making and funding for public schools. The Primer serves as a fact-based guide to public education in North Carolina and provides a comprehensive overview of how education policy is made along with the current state of public education and the policies guiding it with the goal of informing current policymakers candidates for public office and voters. It seems like the phrase voting is more important than ever this year makes it into every election year. However, I will point out a couple of facts. According to the 2020 census, North Carolina's average per pupil spending was 26% or over $3,000 below the national average. With every seat on the General Assembly being up for election, How North Carolina will or will not invest to address this gap in the future is on the ballot too. Whether those facts constitute an election that's more important than ever is up to you, but it is important and your vote is needed to see the outcomes you're hoping for. Thank you for taking the time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today and we'll see you next week.